So because of my um, shoulder surgery, I didn't know how long I was going to be out. So I asked um, Johnny if he'd be willing to share this week. So he's, uh, he's going to share what God's been doing in his life and teaching him. And you know how Johnny is. He might start screaming. He might start crying. And he's going to be led by the Spirit. And that's what we love. We're going to do it all. We're going to do it all. <laughs> so thank you, Johnny. All right. I'm coming through. Good news, I overprepared, so that's inevitable. I haven't talked up here for a while, and so I got pretty nervous today, and uh, that's okay, because that's normal, because it's been a, a little bit. Um, so, almost prepped. Okay, so I have right here on this page a sermon format thing for you guys, just structured, laid out, logical thought. Then on this page is the other side, and that's the one I want to roll with where I just talk to you about um, what maybe my family's gone through a little bit and walking with Jesus through that. Like, what's it, what's it mean to, to walk with Jesus? Um, and you know, during worship, um, wait a second, I gotta back up. Some of you guys know me, some of you don't know me. My name is Johnny. My wife is back there. My mother-in-law is right there. I have three kids back in the, um, the children's church. Uh, a couple years ago, I was on the elders team here for about a year and a half, two years. God said, step down. I stepped down. Months later, my wife got, gets rear-ended in a bad auto accident. So the timing was perfect to step down. It's never perfect to get rear-ended. Um, so I'm part, I've been part of the church my whole life. My dad was the previous pastor before Joey. I'm a preacher's kid. I come with all that baggage. Okay? So if you have, that, if you have baggage, we're family right now. And uh, so during worship, I was, we're singing. And the thing that was kind of rolling through my head was, you know, worshiping God, and then the power of the Holy Spirit being released by me worshiping, or, or is God's Spirit impacting me as I'm worshiping? And, it, you know, at times it's like you're singing, and you can almost feel like God's holding back a little bit, right? And then Joey got up, and he said, there's these people that, uh, you know, this thing that's been rolling around in my head, these it, you know, people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I guess what I want to talk about is maybe having that heart that's close to God while you're walking with Jesus, facing your life. And when I talk a little bit about my life, what's going to come clear is that that really overcoming powerful like just victorious, conquering mountains, slaying demons, punching people in the throat, knocking people out. Walk isn't there, and it's pretty messy. But that messiness, when I engage Jesus at the point of the messiness, he's got my heart, right? Because I'm not just going through the religious motions. We don't want to be those people that Jesus talks about who 
who cast out demons, and they went to church, and they sang songs, and they read their Bible, and they told people about Jesus. But he says, hey, I never knew you. You healed people, but you never knew me, right? And so I think that that underlying walk with Jesus, that heart thing, the hidden walk with Jesus that people don't see is where when we, when we come into the service here and we worship God, that that allows the flow of God because we've been walking with him behind the scenes in which people can't see. You, it, it's, it's the behind the scenes thing when you go to work and you've been walking with Jesus and you walk in and the very fact that you've been with Jesus and you walk into your environment, the presence of God is there. But, but that's all behind the scenes. It's not, it's not the out in front. It's not the victorious church. It's not the cultural church. So, is everybody tracking with me so far? Yeah? Okay. So, I will proceed. Um, I'm just going to read just a little bit of Job. Um, because I feel like I can identify with some of the stuff he says in chapter 6 and 7. And then, um, so backtrack one second before Job. I'm out mowing the grass. Lori goes down the road a quarter mile to my mother-in-law's house to pick up my kids. She's driving down the road. She puts on her blinker sign. Pow! Car hits her in the back, never braked. The van does a turn, flips on its side. Breaking protocol by turning my back to the crowd, right? Slides to the edge. Sorry, not all the way around. Anyways, rolling, turning, sliding, hits the ditch, rolls completely over, lands on its wheels. Down the road, my brother-in-law comes in his truck, pulls in. Hey, Johnny, Lori was an accident. Hop off the mower, get in in his truck, go down the road a quarter mile, and there's Lori. And, And she's okay at that point. So we go to the ER, we come out of it, um, but what ensued after that was in very intense for us, right? It wasn't like loss of a van, accident, just like sore in my neck and shoulders, um, because her brain got jostled around. And so, you, you know, you do those types of turns, your brain hits one side of your skull, you, you rotate and it hits the other side, maybe the front or the back, and so we call that a concussion, or for her, maybe more realistically, traumatic brain injury, the way that it affects you. So I'll read just a little bit of Job here. Actually, I'll give you, a, give you some context here. This was about two weeks after. This is what I had to write to an insurance agent. Lori is recovering slowly. She's being treated currently for acute severe concussion, affecting her vision. She had to wear glasses around the ha- sunglasses. Like she, she couldn't handle light. Um, her hearing was affected, her cognition, slow speech, struggle with balance, and pain everywhere. After her concussion symptoms subside, some of the, some, the MD will begin, or medical doctor will begin initiating treatment for whiplash in her neck and shoulder issues on both sides. We don't know what we're getting into at this point. Her next MD visit is on Tuesday. The concussion issues are expected to last at least three to four weeks post-accident, depending on how severe it is, or two years later. This is determined only by time. So this is where it gets rough, right? She's unable to care for herself independently or the kids. This past Tuesday, she tried to read two sentences 
causing overload to her system, and she almost vomited. She has been able to be around the kids, six years old, four, year old, four years old, 15 months old, sparingly, because she does not tolerate their volume of noise or activity levels because they're kids. They exacerbate her symptoms. This has been both physically and emotionally challenging as she is still unable to pick up our 15-month-old. And so on. So she could handle about 30 minutes at a time with uh, our family. So that's intense, right? That's, and so we, we run into that, and it upends your life, and your normal social support, your, norm, your normal interaction in church, your normal interaction with Christians, your normal interaction with meeting people, talking about Christ. You can't even go to work. At home, you're walking on tiptoes because you can't have too much sound. It's dark everywhere because you, you don't want too much light. And you're trying to get uh, a 15-month-old to stay calm, right? So kind of intense. So let me read a little bit of Job real fast. Just a hair. Because Job, ha I'm not comparing myself, but I just, you know, when you face difficulty, right, because we're talking about the deeper Christian life. We're talking about what's hidden when we're walking with God through these things that gets manifested in power in the public life. So what happens in private here? So if you've ever faced hardship, everybody will at some point in their life. Job had worse, a worse situation than we did by sure. Oh, that my vexation were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore, my words have been rash. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey bray when he has grass or the ox low over his fodder? Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the juice of the mallow? The appetite refuses to touch them. They are as food that is loathsome to me, all oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope and that it would, please, it would please God to crush me. And I'll just stop there. You know, there was another guy from our church who had a TBI and he was just like, yeah, you know, the way that this affected my brain, if this is how I'm gonna continue, he's like, I want God to take me. He's like, I'm out. I can't live in this. The way, you know, it's like not having your mind. You just can't physically function. All right, Job chapter 7. And this is, a this is a verse that God spoke to me during this, this time that gave me a lot of hope and comfort. And it's just the very beginning of Job chapter 7, verse 1. He has not man a hard service on earth. Are not his days like the days of a hired hand, like a slave who longs for the shadow and like a hired hand who looks for his wages? So I am allotted months of emptiness and nights of misery are apportioned to me. I found great comfort in that verse because God was basically telling me how I understood it was like, look, man, you're a human being. Guess what? Welcome to humanity. Welcome to suffering. Welcome to struggle. You're not alone. It's, it's, a, it's a period of time for your life, right? So as Christians, it's okay to have hardship. The, the book of Job is about before the book of Job, it's like when you're a Christian, and speaking 4,000 years before whenever that was written, this is one of the oldest books in the Bible, before Christ's time, um, the book is about, part of it is about um, you do right, you do what God says to do, and God blesses you. You do wrong, you don't do what God says to do, crushing and curses and hardship. Right? And in general, that's true. But it doesn't mean that that's always true. 
And so I guess the message maybe is, you can live righteously and suffer hardship and struggle. And if you're a Christian today and you've gone through hardship or pain or loss of family members or whatever it is that has taken your legs out from under you, know that it doesn't mean that you were unrighteous, that you were going against God, that you were in rebellion. It just, life happens. But the amazing thing about this is Job cries out to God. We find out in the last chapters, right, 38 on, is that Job sees God. He meets God. He doesn't even get his questions answered. And he's like, he's just like, I'm going to shut my mouth because I, I see you maybe clearly for the first time. And how did it happen? Through hardship, struggling, suffering, difficulty. Not what we typically talk about when we're talking about victorious Christian living, right? Like we want to go to work and we want to talk about Jesus and we want to see people saved. And we want that. And that should be there at some level in your life or at some point in your life. But the reality of walking out our daily grind and what we're doing behind the scenes or how we engage God, that is what he's after, right? He wants your heart. And so what I would encourage you is when you're facing wherever you are at today, simply be there. God, I don't like you. I am angry at you. I do struggle. I don't want to go to church. I hate my job. I don't love my husband. Whatever it is, and start there and say, you're saying it's not supposed to be that way. Can you help me? Okay, there you have not masked your heart before God. And I think he will delight in you in that moment. And he will meet you, as James 4 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So we got to have that type of life behind the scenes before God, with God. Um, so while walking through this, um, I got tired of being tossed back and forth emotionally and physically, right? You come home, and so when I went back to work, Come home from work. Lori's maybe able to hand a little bit. God bless Robin, my mother-in-law, who um, really stepped in. We had a lot of people who really did a lot of wonderful things for us, and I appreciate that. Um, you come home, and it's this interesting thing that happened. There were more needs than I had resource for. I walked in my door. I've talked to patients all day. They have pain and problems, and they're talking about it. And then we're just talking about life. And then, you know, you're exhausted from, a work, from working all day. I'm assuming most of you guys work. And so you come in, you're exhausted, your mind's on different things. You walk in the door. Your kids are young, so if you've had young kids, you know they're needy. I was at the coffee shop. I was blanking out everybody yesterday. I, I could there was nobody in there but me. But if my kids are around, all I can hear is, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, why haven't you got my chocolate milk yet? Right? Parents know that. Amen. Um, and so your kids, my kids were needy. And then here's my wife who is just trying to survive these moments of not having overstimulation in her brain because her brain was taking everything in at once. So she said last night or yesterday afternoon when she went outside for the first time, 
and she looked at the grass, it was like her brain was trying to see every blade of grass. That's exhausting. I don't even see my nose. My brain is so, my brain is like, I don't even want to see your nose, Johnny. Right? Just like, oh, there it is. Guess what? It doesn't look at it because it's not necessary. But her brain's taking every piece of information in at one time, and so she's mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. She can't be a mom to her 15-year-old the way that she feels she's supposed to be. This is what moms do. They're supposed to pick up their 15-month-old. And so then, guess what? We have dinner. We're going to get baths. Lori needs worked on because I'm a physical therapist assistant, so I can work on her and help her in ways. And she needs worked on. But guess what? I don't have time to meet every single need. I can't do everything I just listed. What do you do in that moment? Right? We're talking about walking with Jesus. What do you do in that moment when the needs before you are beyond your capabilities? God, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Hey, day one. Hey, John, I forget the kids. They're okay. Go work on your wife. Are you sure that doesn't look like okay? <laughs> That's like Jack-Jack. Incredibles 2. <laughs> Some of you guys watch that. You're gra- Most, that's grandkid stuff. I know. Um, so I work on her neck, right? I'm walking with Jesus right now. What do I do? Jesus says, work on her neck. So I start working on her neck, stretching, massaging, working things out, trying to just alleviate some of the whiplash symptoms that are starting to surface. And guess what happens to the kids? They're okay. They calm down. Actually, maybe a spirit of peace occasionally came over the house. Not always. Day two. Same situation. Come home. Right? Kids, wife, food, laundry. Now, Johnny, wait, Johnny, I got needs. We don't care. You guys don't care. It's not important. Right? But after months and months, years of that, Johnny. So I got to be coming to Jesus. So day two, Jesus, what do I do? Same needs. Kids, wife, Laura. Hey, Johnny, she's okay today. Take care of the kids. Oh, boy. This is a bigger decision. She's my wife. Are you sure she's okay, God? I, I, I can't meet all the needs. So I go take care of the kids. Give them attention, whatever. Hey, Lori's demeanor changes. Her attitude changes. She's more relaxed for whatever reason. Maybe because the kids aren't squirming. Peace of God comes sometimes, not all the time. What do you do in those moments when the need before you is greater than your resources? You come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, what do I do? And it's at this point where we take a step of faith in walking with Jesus, for me, in my home where nobody else can see, in which I feel like the stakes are high because of the intensity of the situation in my home. And I try. Now, I got it wrong sometimes because I'm like, you're wrong, Lord. I'm doing this, and I did that, and it didn't end well. Hands down, story every time. Every time I followed him, boom, amazing results. Okay. So I got tired of being tossed back and forth, emotional, by the emotional and physical storms of life. 
It's kind of like when Jesus is in the boat sleeping and there's a storm raging around and we're like, you know, me, me and you guys, you guys are on the boat with me right now, okay? We're like going, I don't know how to move a sail up and down. I know how to row a canoe, okay? We're doing that number. Jesus is sleeping. We're like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. Actually, I can't swim. I don't even like water. This water's cold. I heard there's big fish in here. Remember that story of Jonah? I'm not ready to be swallowed. And I look at Jesus and he's like, yeah, I'm sleeping. Or Jesus is walking across the water. Peter's like, everybody, they're freaking out. They're storming. Peter sees Jesus. Hey, hey, can I walk out there? Jesus, yeah. Peter's starting to walk in the water. Amazing. And then he's like, boop, boop, waves, big fish. I saw his fin. Ah! And then what's he do? Starts to sink. Jesus grabs his hand. The point of that is, those stories, Jesus is telling us, hey, fix your attention on me. You think if they're in the boat and they're like, Jesus is sleeping, they're like, man, I'm going to take a nap too. Nobody needs to row this boat. Right? They could relax because Jesus was relaxed. Could walk on water because their, their sight was on Jesus and not on the peripheral. So I got to experience that firsthand the last two, two years in a very intense, personal way that was not in the public eye, that nobody could see. So I got tired of being tossed back and forth. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, I started to take uh, cues from Dave Tomlinson. He said it for over 15 years. I'm starting to listen to him. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, or the way of God, on how he says life is ordered, and how he tells us to live, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree, because I was tired of being tossed like a wave, planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. So there, secret life, hidden life, nobody sees. Am I taking time to spend time learning about God on how he says the world is ordered from Scripture, on how he says things work, on what he says is important? Am I thinking about that day and night? In other words, am I taking the time to spend time reading his word and then am I allowing that to start to change how I see life so that I might be that tree planted very strong and solid as the world of chaos, as news media, chaotic whatever stuff in this country, take your wildfire stuff from California, pick anything, the chaos that it's in your friend's life, in your coworker's life, or in your life, and will I become that tree, that tree of life, that tree of God that produces good fruit and is not tossed back and forth but is steadily grounded because my roots are deep in the ground, that place where nobody sees. I'm spending time with God. And because I do that and because I'm starting to learn what he wants and I'm starting to do what he wants, the Christian character of God is being built so deep in me that I'm not moved easily by a storm. Because guess what? The storms are going to keep coming, right? So I could continue doing what I was doing and tripping. Or I could listen to what God said and I could do it his way, 
Some supernatural thing happens when you read the word of God and it takes root in your heart and you start to do what it says, which is this, in this case, this is easy. Spend time in God's word in the morning, spend time in it at night. You version and Bible Gateway app, two verses right to your email. Read one in the morning, one in the evening. That's easy if I do it. Okay, moving on. Um, another verse that was good for me, Psalms 33, 16. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. So we're not delivered by armies, um, anything in life. You know, we've heard it a million times if you've been going to church. Not saved by your retirement, your resources, your, your money, your friendships, your connections. It's not. It's by God. Practical example of this is Matthew 2, 19 through 20. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So what was Jesus' parents doing? They were paying attention to God. How were they protecting Jesus in this life? They were paying attention. I mean, maybe it's easier if an angel's visiting you. I don't know. Maybe. I think it would be. Oh, I don't have to worry about this one. That was an angel, right? You know, he's got like huge sword. Everybody who sees one's afraid of him. I was afraid. I knew that was it. I was afraid. That was an angel. But Jesus' life was spared because an angel said, take the child down to Egypt. And he was not murdered at that point. And then he was brought back from Egypt to Israel because the person that wanted to kill him was dead. So here we see the leading of God. It's God that saves. It's God that directs your life. It's God that gave my family peace in moments when I walked in step with him. You gotta pray. That includes praying and talking. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God Christ and Christ Jesus for you. It is the will of God. What does God want you to do? He wants you to rejoice. He wants you to be happy about something. You got to have something in your life you're thanking him for and you're happy about something that actually gives you joy. You have to. He says, this is, your, this is my will. And then you're going to pray without ceasing. So we're going to be in a constant state of prayer. So I get in my truck and I'm driving to work and the engine's really loud and I got my earbuds in and I was going to I was kind of just listening to some music or maybe a podcast, kind of like instruct me a little bit in physical therapy, might get a little smart. Guess what? Put my earbuds in and God's starting to just turn on my heart and talk to me. And so we're just talking. Guess what? That's prayer. Me and God are interacting. We're talking. I'm talking about things that are bothering me. He's telling me stuff to correct in my life. He's telling me prayers to pray for people. So I'm, I get to work, right? I pull in, I park, I get the badge out of my, my dash thing. I put it on and I'm like, all right, God. Father who is in heaven, Holy be your name, kingdom come, will be done. I'll take care of my knees, keep Satan away from me. Run inside the door, boom. I did my prayers, I'm good. No, it doesn't stop there, right? God, you got anything to say before I go into work? Hey, just be at peace, John. Just want to enjoy your patience. Go inside, all right? Going to be at peace, going to enjoy my patience. Go inside, take care of my patience. I'm enjoying them, I got peace, right? Working with my patience, working. Hey, guess what, Johnny? They're getting ready to tell you something. There's the Holy Spirit inside. Getting ready to tell you something. This, per this person, this patient, they're going to tell you something, okay? Pay attention, but don't say anything. Okay, well, I like fixing people. That's why people come to therapy. Hey, Johnny, don't fix people. Don't fix their hearts. Let me do it. So they tell me. Other time, 
Same scenario, get all the way to work. I'm inside walking with Jesus, right? Prayer life doesn't stop. We're praying without ceasing. The interaction with God doesn't stop just the second I go into something. So I'm talking with somebody. It's like, hey, Johnny, just relax, blah, blah, blah. Next moment, I know I'm talking to a lady just working on her foot. Doesn't even smell, okay? <laughs> this is good. Working on her foot, it doesn't even smell because you know, all you people who are laughing have stinky feet. It's okay. I appreciate that. Rubbing alcohol, soap and water. I glove up. And, hey, guess what? Hey, Johnny, just ask her what she believes. Okay. All right, Jesus. Hey, what do you believe? What do you believe? What do you think about the Bible? What do you think about Jesus? What do you believe? 45 minutes later, we have this great conversation, right? Find out the history of the lady and where she came from and where she's at and how she doesn't believe in Jesus right now because of her history and things that she experienced in her home, right? But the prayer life doesn't stop ever. We're always in. This is the secret hidden life, guys. What's going on inside of us when we're with our families, when we're at work, when we're with people swearing like sailors, when you're at work and it's a highly sexualized environment verbally because of the stress people are under, guess what? Still constantly praying, communication. Here's the thing. If God is real, and we talk to him, expect him to talk back. Expect him to answer. Expect him to somehow get a hold of your attention to let you know the answer to what you're talking about. I know if you hear a voice, you're crazy. Yes, you might be. However, if you're in the word of God and what you hear in your heart lines up with the word of God, try it. You can't go wrong there. God's not telling you to wrong any person. In fact, he tells me to shut up a lot of times. He says, don't talk to them. Don't, don't say anything when they say something. Just let them talk. They are more important than your great ideas, Johnny. I know, but I read this morning, okay? And I read last night. He's like, yeah, but I get it, okay? I see you. And take yourself out and just let them talk and express themselves. Because when they go home, they don't have a person to listen to them. And they just need to talk. Why? Because they're a human being made in my image and they want fellowship and interaction. Right? Constantly, constantly in touch with God. The secret hidden life, walking with him. It's 1130. You guys okay? Faith. Here's another one, just a tidbit here. Proverbs 20, 24. Man's steps are ordered by God who can understand his way. What that's saying is, look, you're not in charge of your life. You're not even dictating your life. In fact, you can't even stop that car that you can't see from slamming into you because you can't see him. And you're not in charge of that vehicle. And he says, who can understand his way? If God is the one who orders our steps, who can understand our way? We can't. That's what I'm learning. We can't understand our situation in the moment. I can't look at my life and say, why is all hell breaking loose and understand it? And I can't understand it from God's perspective. 
I can only focus my heart attention, the deepest parts of pain and struggle, or even joy on him in that moment, and say, how am I going to walk through this? And then walk with him through it. Not, he's not taking me out of it. He hasn't yet. We're walking through it. It's what he does. But I think this. I think in three years when I look back, I'm going to say, wow, look what God did there. Look what he was doing with that person who was negligent, who was probably on their phone. Look what he did through our family. And God, thank you that Lori's still alive. And look how that changed us and how it brought us to this place where now we're doing these things. And this place of life is amazing. It's not what I pictured. It's not what I imagined. It's not even what I chose for myself. But this, this beautiful thing that we can now do as a family, or, you know, who knows what it is. Maybe we just really enjoy seeing, watching the family grow up. Or maybe, maybe Lori and I are powerfully being used by God to just talk about how to walk out our faith with Jesus. But I can't understand that in the moment. Because God's in charge. And we're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to be able to see all that. Because he knows we have so many amazing ideas that we want to tell people that they don't care about. Here's kind of like a, a contrasting thing. Isaiah 25 through 6. Then they shall be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush their hope and of Egypt their boast. And the inhabitants of the coastland will say in that day, Behold, this is what happened to those in whom we hoped and to whom we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria. And we, and we how shall we escape? And that verse is basically just saying, Hey, you put your hope and your trust into something other than God and you're going to be dismayed. And you're kind of going to be ashamed someday that you were like, man, I was really hoping that was going to come through. I put all my eggs in that basket and it wasn't God's. He's saying, focus your heart on me. Last one. But godliness, 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. All right, question. I feel really comfortable wiping my nose in front of you guys. I do it with patients all the time. It's a runny nose. I'm like, all right, where's your pain at? Hold on, let me get some hand sanitizer, you know, squirt, squirt. All right, let me touch your face. No, I don't do that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is, this is what I'm learning. I'm not here yet on this one, but I'm learning it. As I'm learning godly character, as the godly character is being built in me, as I'm learning to do what God says, like God says, if you know me, it, it, you love me. If you love me, you obey what I command. If you obey what I command, you love other Christians and other people. He always hammers that love other Christians things. That must be the hardest thing for us. As love other people, we expect to act a certain way. Why aren't you acting like Jesus? Right? You're rubbing me wrong. Why aren't you acting like Jesus? You're supposed to be. You're sitting in the pulpit. You're in the pulpit. You're sitting in the chair. I'm in the pulpit. And you're supposed to be living like Jesus. And I see it. You're, you ain't. Right? You're not doing it. And that rubs my crawl. 
I don't even know what that means. I know people use that. I kind of know what it means. I'm just joking. But as the character of God, as I do what he says, gets built in me, which comes by me hearing God, either from his word or the Holy Spirit saying something in my heart, and I make that choice to take that step and do it or try to see what the end result is, the character of God starts to get established in my life, and what I'm finding is I really don't care about a lot of things. And I'm starting to learn to be more content. Things are peripheral. Possessions are peripheral. Being important is peripheral. Having influence is peripheral. News coverage is so peripheral if you watch the news. People's take on how we need to fix the world is so peripheral. As I'm focusing on Jesus and the godly character comes in, I'm content. At that point, then I'm able to say, I can be still and know that he is God. But you have to take that step wherever you're at today. It's one step. God, this is where I am. You know, the things that I told you, like this is where I am, those are, true, those are true things that I've heard people say in the last year. I don't love my husband. Okay? You, there's another person that went to another church. They go to, they go to church. Guess what? They serve in church. They have a paid staff position in church. And they got a lot of hurt and whatever. So what does that person have to do? That's how I feel, God. I don't want to be ruled by emotions. You say, live a certain way. What's my next step? I don't even know how to reconcile with my husband. I don't even know if I want to. What's my next step? Guess what? No one's watching that. No one sees it. It's between you and God, and it's scary to be vulnerable before God. But he has been nothing, absolutely nothing, but patient and kind and compassionate and straight love to me as I have taken the deepest, darkest things in my heart and said, God, this is actually how I feel. And I know I'm not supposed to, but it is. Can you help me? That's right. Amen. One really quick note, just to show you how unholy I am, is that I'm learning, is like, I don't remember the scripture verse where it just says, out of... Your, out of your mouth flows what's deep in your heart. Does anybody know that off the top of their head? Somebody shout it out loud with some enthusiasm. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Okay, we're talking secret life, okay? Right? Fourth grade, Johnny Good, Mr. Galloway's class. Hanging out with my buddies. Guess what is cool? Swearing. I'm swearing like a sailor, like a PK. (laughs) Because it's cool. I've said that before. But guess what? When I get pushed to the limit and I haven't spent time with God, my focus is on Him, and in those moments of greatest intensity where I'm walking away from Lori, mumbling under my breath, swear words, or I'm walking outside yelling a couple swear words, right? 
What does that tell me about myself? What does that tell me about what Jesus says about me? Out of the abundance of your heart. That shows me that there's portions of my heart that are angry and frustrated. Things aren't going my way. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at life. Out of the abundance of my heart. So what can I do? Oh, God, please forgive me. Yeah. But before that, I'm going to say, God, that's how I really feel. I'm sorry I feel that way. Because guess what? That's how I feel. I'm pretty upset right now. I'm sorry. I don't like feeling that way. I don't like talking that way. I don't like that in my moments of greatest weakness that that's the filth that comes out because it reveals what's in my heart. And now I say, Jesus, confess my sin of a filthy mouth. Please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And Jesus, every time, even sometimes before I can pray it, says I'm faithful and I'm capable and I've already forgiven you. Be free, Johnny. Sometimes even before I can get it out of my mouth because at my heart level, my heart is saying, God, before my mouth can even say, I confess my sins and he's saying, I've forgiven you. Right? Walk with God in the secret. Be honest right with where, right where you're at because this, this is what happens. If you don't do what I'm saying, if you don't align yourself with what scripture says, then you're going to be that religious person that goes to church who looks like they're just going to pop Skittles out somewhere because they're so tense. Right? That's a beautiful picture. (laughs) Skittles. Point being this. Do you want to be religious? Do you want religion? These are all beautiful things. Religion is beautiful when it's expressed before God, to God, when our hearts are directed towards God. Guess what? Same religious experience as me coming in and worshiping and praising God, but when that heart is there. So just engage God from the heart. That's what it is to walk with Jesus. That's my experience, at least. And here's the last point. You don't have to be like me. You're not like me. You're like you. I don't have any tattoos. I've had many people who are just sleeved up, which I think is sweet. I think it's sweet because you know what? They're brave enough to ink up for the rest of their life. And every tattoo they have usually has something meaningful to them. So it's not, it's right. But they say, well, I'm not like you, Johnny. I can't wear a blue shirt or usually it's a polo. And I I don't tuck in my shirt. And I, I don't either. I hate it. They make me do it, okay? I'm not tucked in right now. I love it. I can move. Arms overhead, tucked in shirt. It's the truth. You guys know. It's like, yeah, I'm dressed up today. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Not me today. I'm like, yeah, arms up. Right? You guys have all been there. Ladies have their shirts. They're like, oh, my God, I got to get it in there. Uh, Button. All right. Ah, Let's go. Anyways, moving on. Thank you guys for letting me share. Do you want me to say a prayer to close or do you want to come up? All right. You guys all good. Right. Jesus came to take away sin. There's no sin in Jesus. If you walk with Jesus, you're not walking in sin. Father, thank you for that. Pray for your Holy Spirit to empower people. Give them brave, help them be brave. Give them courage to be right where they are and face the issues they face right now. And to know that it's messy and to walk with you in that moment. And may you develop your character deep in the hearts of every person in this room who hears this message. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.